When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog Comic books, comic time Writers and artists are on the line They make a splash as a comic's read And take us on a trip behind the spread Watch out for comic book commentary Spinning a winning inside Fix how they got a hot idea Narrative, character, visual tricks And onomatopoeia Uh-huh It's comic book commentary Hi, I'm Natalie Norigat. Welcome to Comic Book Commentary. Today, I'm going to be doing the commentary for my new book called I Moved to Los Angeles to Work in Animation. A lot of people ask me what this book is about. Um, Yeah, unlike the title, it's about how I moved to Los Angeles to work in animation about three years ago. Uh, I was a comic book artist up in Portland for many years uh, working at Helioscope Studio. And I got my my dream job down here storyboarding for an animation studio and decided to pack up and head down I-5, drive for two days straight, and uh, move all my earthly possessions down here and just try to make a go of it. And I had a pretty hard time... Um, I had a pretty hard time breaking in in LA and uh, transplanting myself. And uh, after about a year down here, I had all of these journal entries about what the trip had been like and, you know, trying to learn how to storyboard in a studio and make friends down here, get used to the LA culture. And I thought maybe there's some material here for a story. And if I could make it easier for anybody coming after me, I'd really like to. So that's where this book started. Yeah, I'd been here for about a year and I started started trying to put those journal entries and those thoughts into a cohesive story. And it took a long time, probably like six months to get the story in shape. Um, I showed it to a ton of people to ask for help and make sure that it was reflecting other people's experiences and not just my own. So I wasn't saying stuff that was totally wrong, making generalizations about working in animation. And a bunch of friends... Uh, helped me out, proofread this, and got it to the state that it's in today. I also have to thank my amazing editor at Boom, Shannon Waters, who um, saw this book when it was just about done and had some great ideas for how to make it better. And also, Cara Leopard. I haven't met her. I hope that's how her last name is pronounced. But um, with book design, she did an incredible job on this. Um, so I I wrote this. I illustrated it. I colored it. And I lettered it. And I, I tried to go for a really fast, efficient style because I wanted to get this story out the door. Honestly, I wanted to make it while it was all fresh in my mind. And um, yeah, so it took maybe six months to write and six months to draw. I think that's about right. So I, I really spent more time on the story than I normally do and less time on the art than I normally do. Okay, here we go. So the first page is a disclaimer because I am making a lot of generalizations in this book and I just want to make sure people know I encourage you to check lots of sources when you are deciding 
uh, on a big life move, like coming to LA or applying to studios, talk to as many people as possible and get as broad an input as you possibly can. This is just one person's experience. But I do think it's worth putting out there because it can be so hard to find information on animation jobs, which is surprising because a lot of people are working in the industry. A lot of people are interested in the industry. It's just like once you're in, most people don't share what the day-to-day is like or what the salaries are like or the culture. So I just wanted to put my little story out there into the world. So hopefully it's easier for the next person. Uh, so I give some context. I have a, like an introduction chapter up at the front and I talk about, um, you know, where the studios are in the U.S. A lot of them are in L.A. The Animation Guild is in L.A. Uh, I talk about, you know, growing up in Portland, um, thinking that art was... A, a nice hobby, but would never make me m- any money. So I went to a state school. I got, um, I got a major in business and Japanese. And after school, I was pleasantly surprised to find that I could make a living as a freelance artist. So I went back to Portland. I worked at Helioscope Studio with a bunch of cartoonists and they taught me how to have a successful freelance career, which I did for many years. Um, until Portland rents started climbing up and uh yeah it really it really sucked (laughs) i couldn't afford to live in my hometown anymore as a cartoonist so i started thinking about okay oh what's my next move here um and i knew several cartoonists in portland who made the move down to la um around like 2012 to 2014 um my friend Angie Wang, Sarah Alexic, um, were, were going down there and they had been cartoonists that I knew. So I thought, oh, wow, is that a possibility for me? And I started looking into it. I was kind of nervous about going to, going to LA. I had like all of these fears about, you know, <laughs> what might happen down there. Um, we're very shady about LA and Portland. So you hear all kinds of bad things about it. Um, and, I decided to take a trip and visit my friend Madeline Flores, who had also moved down here and uh, started working at DreamWorks TV. And she was awesome. She put me up for a few days. She showed me a couple studios, introduced me to a bunch of people and like showed me around the neighborhood. And I was like, oh, her life is great. I could picture myself here. I want to do what Maddie's doing. Uh, So that was when I decided, all right, we're going to try and do this. But um Deciding that that would be a nice thing to do, deciding that I wanted to work in animation, it was not as easy as breaking in. There was still a lot to do after that. So then we go into this chapter, getting a job, which is me on a desert island waving my hands and I've spelled out, hire me on the beach in rocks, which is how it feels when you didn't go to an art school and you're 27 and nobody's answering your job applications. Um, yeah, I think th- this is the, like the most quoted part of the book so far. Um, people, people seem to like these panels where it's like 2009. I'm thinking to myself, is this because I don't go to an art school? And 2011, all of these jobs require experience in 2013. Am I too old now? It's, oh my God. I, I thought maybe this was a pipe dream. Uh, and I was 
kidding myself trying to go for it. But um, yeah, I, I stuck with it. I spent about a year job searching and I just like treated it like it was my second job. I'd wake up every morning, look at the job boards uh, from back in Portland and if anything relevant came up, like a story position, character designer, background artist, 2D animator, I don't know who I'm kidding, but I tried to 2D animate, I would apply to those as quickly as possible. And I was working on my portfolio, I was taking classes. Um, there's like the Northwest Film School up in Portland, and I took a storyboarding seminar there. And uh, there's a lot of resources online, so I was trying to find uh, places where I could learn for free online. Uh, while I was waiting to break in. Yeah, so um, it goes through me being disappointed, rejected again, 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 and hearing like from a friend that it can take up to 30 story tests to break into a studio. And I was just thinking to myself, oh my gosh, I can't do 30 story tests. Uh, they are not paid and they take like two weeks to do. And that's great practice, but... Um, it's really tough on top of trying to stay afloat with a freelance career. But luckily, uh, after a while, I did get my first job. Um, it was like a training position. It wasn't a full storyboard artist position. It was like a training position. But that was awesome for me because it actually meant the stakes were lower and I had a chance to make mistakes and learn on the job. Yay! So I've got these panels where um, I take the call, the, the fateful call that says, um, you got the job and I'm in the shower. I'm pretending I'm not in the shower because I was so scared if I didn't answer it right when they called, then maybe I'd miss the chance. So I'm like dripping wet, trying not to slip and die in the bathroom, being like, oh, thank you. Yay. That's so great. And then doing a little happy dance. Um, and I had to, I had to edit out my boobies and my little bush from the drawing for the more G-rated audience. And I was very sad about that. I liked I liked some of the nudity in this book and now it's gone. It makes me sad. And the next chapter is called Moving. So it's all about moving from Portland to LA. The house hunt, um, driving down LA, just crying my eyes out. I, oh my God, I was like uh, really missing my boyfriend and uh, singing to French songs and feeling like, oh, this is a terrible decision. I've already committed. I have to try it. So um got down there and I stayed with my buddy, Jamie Rich, who's been mentioned on the podcast before. He's an awesome, um, I don't know, what is he, president of DC? He's something important. Um, and he's a, he's a good friend from back in Portland. We did a book called A Boy and a Girl Together at Oni Press. So he put me up for my first three weeks while I was just getting on my feet down here and house hunting. And um, it took a long time to find an apartment. I was really shocked by the prices down here and the quality, uh, but eventually found like a eh, okay apartment for like $1,500 a month. Ugh! My last apartment in Portland was $500. Um, and it was uh, right next to the ocean, which I like to brag about. Uh, the ocean being an auto repair shop uh, in the alley right next to us. So we woke up to the sounds of uh, metal every morning. That was nice. But yeah, it was a fine place to get started. I talk a bit about the different neighborhoods, uh, where the studios are, and where a lot of people in animation like to live. Uh, I've been in North Hollywood and Burbank. I've got friends all over. Some people live 
way far away. If they want more space or lower rents or they've got kids and, you know, they're moving for the school district, some people drive like 90 minutes to get here in the morning. Uh, but most of the people I know live in the valley. So Glendale, Burbank, um, yeah, Studio City. The next chapter is called Perks of Working in Animation Guild Studios. And so this was kind of funny about starting to work in animation. I didn't know anything about the guild and I never thought I would work for a union job. You know, like as an artist, you think you're kind of on your own forever. You're just like a freelance cowboy and good luck. Like nobody's looking out for you. But animation's been around for a while and unionized in the 40s. So there are all of these rights that people who came before us have fought for and gained for us that we get to benefit from. There's, um, you know, maximum hours uh, per day you are allowed to work, um, maximum hours per week before uh, your employer legally has to give you overtime or golden time uh, where your rates jump up quite a bit. So it keeps it keeps the conditions really good at the studios for the most part, uh, at least in my experience. Uh, yeah, I talk about getting health care through the guild. That was amazing. Um, having this minimum wage that was so much higher than what I was used to. Um, you know, like when I used to do commercial storyboarding, it would be like $50 an hour. And I don't know, I'm, I might get like 10 hours a week, um, which felt good. I could live off of that. But uh, yeah, here it's like 45 hours a week guaranteed. And uh, my starting rate was around $30 an hour. So that that added up. It was really nice. Um, yeah, I talk a bit about some of the perks you can find at studios beyond the minimum, like um, a lot of the animation studios here try to cater to artists and especially young artists coming out of school. They'll be like, hey, do you want to come play at our studio? We've got foosball. Oh, yeah, we've got a pool. Oh, we've got free candy. We've got ice cream on Thursdays. So it's that thing a lot of a lot of companies are trying to do now where they just throw in a ton of perks. But there's some fun ones in animation. Uh, I really like where I work now. There's gyms and like athletic classes for free and life drawing like two or three times a week, which is amazing because I didn't go to art school. I have a lot to catch up on. The next chapter is called A Day in the Life. And this is one of the questions I get the most when I'm, you know, talking about working in animation. People are like, oh, okay, but I can't picture it. Walk me through a normal day. So a normal day is, it's an office job. I work like 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday through Friday. I take an hour for lunch and um, nobody's really like watching me with a microscope, which is nice. So I can kind of come and go as I please. The most important things are just hitting my deadlines, answering emails, and mm, yeah, going to meetings that I'm supposed to. Um, I work in an office. I've got a laptop and a Cintiq. Uh, I've got great coworkers. And most days I am just sitting and drawing all day. Very fun. That's what I like to do. Uh, the next chapter is called Best Things About Living in LA. Um, so the weather, amazing. It never gets old. I've been here about three and a half years and every morning, because I grew up in Portland, you know, you wake up and it's it's raining. It's probably raining. And here you wake up and the sun is coming through the blinds and your room is like already warm and 
uh, you look out and it's just beautiful. Sunrise and sunset are colorful every day. You've got the beach and the desert, beautiful plants that grow here. It smells like flowers in the spring. They're just everywhere. There's people can grow oranges in their yard and it's amazing. It's paradise. Uh, there's also a ton of stuff going on here. So I talk about like, I can't even possibly do and see all of the things that interest me in LA. There's so much. My first year here, I tried to do something new every weekend just to make sure I was getting out of the house. And even if it was scary, even if I didn't have friends, just trying something new every week, which really helped me to discover the city and, and break in. But oh my gosh, I've been here three and a half years and I've just scratched the surface. There's so much. Yeah. So yeah, LA, whatever you've heard about it, give it, give it a try. Uh, so the next chapter is called A Few Things to Keep in Mind. This is me hanging onto a palm tree in a hurricane because there are some things that I would have liked to know before I started working in animation and moved to LA. I talk about, you know, some of the financial problems, like how expensive renting an apartment is. Um, I could have done something a bit cheaper, like there was an option to sublet a room in a big house for more like $800 a month. That's not, that's not impossible, but, um, yeah, to live near the studio and have an apartment to yourself is probably like 1500 a month. And, um, yeah, you need a car. The sidewalks and the streets are not super well-maintained. Um, the culture's kind of weird. Like, there's beauty industry advertisements everywhere. There's a lot of pressure to look a certain way. I think a lot of people here are, you know, interested in acting or or performing. And there's definitely a market advertising to them about let us fix your teeth, let us fix your boobs, let us fix your face, whatever. And it's weird to see that all the time. Uh, there's also like a huge disparity between rich and poor, which I mean, yeah, there, that exists everywhere. But here it's like, you see <laughs> really, really, really rich people and really, really, really poor people. Uh, I also miss nature, hiking, getting my exercise just by living my life and walking, taking public transportation. I don't do that here. And I tried when I started. <laughs> I would try to walk places just stubbornly like, ah, uh, it's not the culture here, but I'm going to make it work. And I'd get stuck on roads where it was dangerous to try and walk where the sidewalk ended. It just ends. There's nowhere to cross the street. You have to turn around and go back a mile and change, change your plan. It's not good. Um, also, I didn't really realize this, but uh, for storyboarding, um, I thought it was kind of all the same. You storyboard for animation, but there's a real division between storyboarding for feature films and storyboarding for TV. And you feel it in the way that the contracts are designed, the way that the work uh, happens, like, um, like your schedules are totally different and the culture can be totally different because people in feature tend to circulate from feature job to feature job. So they all meet each other and TV people do the same. They kind of get to know each other through TV jobs and uh, there's not a ton of crossover. So that sucks. I, I love my friends in TV and I don't see them as often as I'd like to, but uh, both are, both are cool. Both are good gigs. Um, yeah, so I talk a bit about um, boarding for TV, boarding for feature, and um, then 
yeah, how, how many hours you might be expected to work. And spoiler alert, it's a lot. Um, when we're crunching, I might work like 65 hours a week, um, which is great money. And if you're working for a good studio, they won't let you ghost hours. They'll make you count every hour that you're working because the guild requires them to. They should be really on top of that and really honest about that. So I don't mind overtime at all. I want to own a house someday. So I'm like, yes, I will work Saturday. Thank you. <laughs> um, I talk a bit about, yeah, social life in LA. There are artists everywhere. You can't throw a stick without hitting one. But it was weird. It was like they didn't hang out the way that I was used to in Portland. There wasn't like a house party every week or at least not that I was invited to. And people don't just kind of meet up last minute at a bar. It's really a lot more unusual here for me to see people outside of work. Uh, and I have a hard time convincing them to come out after work and get a beer because for a lot of them, it, it means driving 20 minutes to see me. Uh, if you are moving to LA and you're nervous about that, just pick your favorite friend and rent the apartment downstairs from them. Uh, honest recommendation. It'll be a lot easier to see them. Um, my favorite page is um, this spread at the end of the chapter, A Few Things to Keep in Mind. It's like <laughs> that feeling of being alone on Friday night in a new city and being like, I don't have plans. I want to go out. I want to explore. I want to see people, but I don't have plans. My apartment is not nice enough to invite people over. And... I'm trying to save money, so maybe I should just stay in. Oh, God, I'm so alone. Uh, and then the next page is um, me and one of my friends who also made the move down here um, telling me, hey, it's okay. LA sucks. It's okay to say it. So the next chapter is how to break in. And uh, yeah, after the what's a day in the life like, this is definitely the question that I get the most. I want to work in animation. How do I break in? So I try to break down just like, you know, everybody's different and this advice won't work for everybody, but I try to break down the things that I think will work for the most people, my, my general advice. And that's, um, remember that a lot of it is luck and timing. So just keep applying. It's like throw your name in the hat over and over and over again. Any job that interests you, big studio, small studio, long shot, easy layup, whatever, throw your name in, uh, because it can take a while and you just want to give yourself the best chance. So don't, don't, um, don't count yourself out of the race. Always put your name in there if you're interested. Uh, don't take it personally. If you get rejected, it happens to all of us. And again, it's a numbers game. They might have, I've heard crazy numbers. I've heard like a thousand applicants for, for three jobs that were posted. So do not take it personally. You might be totally qualified for that job. You might have gotten it on a different day. So just find the next listing and apply to that. Um, also, yeah, if they say we want somebody with five years of experience and you have four, apply. If they say we want somebody five years out of school and you're six years out of school, apply. They're describing the perfect candidate that they they want all of these traits, but they'll take the best one that they get. So you might be the best one that they get. Put, put your name in there. Um, yeah, so I talk about where my big breaks came from. And for me, it was definitely friends. Um, Maddie 
bringing me down here, showing me her life. And she got me my first boarding gig on being Puppycat, doing a freelance episode with her. That was like the first thing that I was able to put on my resume. And that really changed the amount of responses that I was getting. Also, just storyboarding, like uh, coming up with my own short story ideas and boarding them. It's crazy. Like, you don't you don't need permission to make storyboard samples, but a lot of people feel like they can't do it on their own. And you totally can. If you draw, if you sketch, if you make comics, you know all the basic skills already. So just like write a short story, draw a bunch of frames and start boarding and see where it takes you. Put it online, get get reactions to it, um, you know, <laughs> filter them and listen to the ones that you care about and keep doing it. Um, I made a little animated short for Loop de Loop, which was so fun. I totally recommend it if you can. That introduced me to a lot of people. I joined ASIFA in Portland, which is great for in-person networking. You know, there's something different than like talking to people on Twitter and meeting up and sketching together with people face to face. You just, um, there's a different qu quality to those interactions and you can kind of learn things that you weren't even looking for just by taking a chance like that. And the last thing that helped me break in was LinkedIn? Question mark? It was the first time that website has ever been useful for me, but I will take it because that's how I got my dream job. Thank you, LinkedIn. Uh, so the next page is about going to Comic-Con in um, 2013. And it's just speaking to that same point, like Asifa, um, about if you can, I know it's not fair. I, not, I know not everybody can do this and there's all kinds of reasons why, but if you can go out in person and meet people, it does make a difference. And I know that's not fair, but to whatever extent you can, try to go out to events, try to uh, travel to places where you're going to meet other artists, uh, people who can hire you, just just people who are doing what you're interested in or other students, because that can really speed things up. I talk a bit about how you can use your network without abusing people. So like, it's tough when you are, when you're young and you need a job, you need money and someone is a recruiter for a studio, like, how are you not supposed to come across as desperate with them? But try, <laughs> um, try to, try to play it cool. Try to just, you know, state your case and then leave them alone. Um, business cards are great you know, go up to somebody and be like, Hey, this is my name. I do this. Um, here's my business card. It's nice to meet you. Um, yeah, it's, it's really tough when people are, you know, giving you the hard sell. It's like nobody hands out jobs on the spot. Just, just like plant the seed, walk away, plant the seed later. Uh, then I talk about some stuff that you can put in your portfolio if you're interested in storyboarding specifically. And then the biggest chapter of the book is called Other Frequently Asked Questions. And here I talk about all of the little questions that, that people ask me. So I've been collecting them since I got the job and moved down here. You know, I took them on Tumblr, Instagram, Twitter, email, and just kind of like made a list of the ones that I get the most often. And uh, it's like, where can I meet people? Do I have to draw in a studio's house style? What software do you use? All of these questions. I try and answer as many of them as possible, as clearly as possible. And just like overall, I would just say it's it's going to be fine. <laughs> if you don't know everything, 
it's okay. You can learn it on the job. It's just like, it's really about luck and not giving up whether or not you break in. I, I do believe that. Yeah. Oh, there's some more boobies I had to edit out. It made me sad. I drew <laughs> for the figure drawing classes. I, I drew like full on nudity. And then when we put it out to the wider book market. Shannon was like, could you just turn them around? I'm sorry. It's like, oh, okay. Just, just draw a little subtle butt. Um, let's see. Yeah. So more FAQ. Uh, can I keep working on my own projects? For example, when you're, when you're storyboarding, um, I have found that so far. I hope I'm going to continue to be allowed to do that. I love storyboarding. It's like so fulfilling to work on a group project that's going to reach a really wide audience. And, have so many artists work on it and be so finished at the end. But I come home and I like to work on something that I own too, that I control and write. And comics has really filled that, filled that void for me. So I love doing both at once. I, I did this book uh, during my second year as a storyboard artist. And during my first year, I, I was drawing a graphic novel for a French company um, called Les Cuisines de l'Histoire, <laughs> which was about uh, cooking in the Middle Ages with Isabelle Bautien. Very fun. Um, so yeah, I love to make comics when I come home and keep working on things that belong to me because the other thing about animation is we don't get royalties. We don't own anything. We're, we're artists for hire. So I think it's a good idea to, you know, if you can, and if, if that's your passion to keep building something on the side that belongs to you, that might, that might take off. It's like when I make a graphic novel, it's like buying a lottery ticket. Probably it's not going to go anywhere, but you never know. And it's fulfilling in the meantime, so it's fine. Oh, I, I talk about, um, <laughs> so I get this question, like, is animation a straight boys white club? And uh, give a very roundabout answer, which is basically like, if you are not straight, if you're not white, if you're not cis, if you're not a man, please apply. <laughs> Your voice is needed in the room. Um, and I, I think most people in the studios are on board with that. But um, yeah, just like if you don't see media that's reflecting you or the things that you believe, please, please apply like you are necessary. You are needed. And um, yeah, I think a lot of people would would agree with that. I think a lot of people are on the same page. I talk a bit about salary, vacation time, dress code. There is none. Wear whatever you want. It's great. Um, culture. Story artists are super collaborative. I love this about my job because our art is not really finished most of the time. It's never seen outside of the studio and um, people edit it for each other. Like one storyboard sequence might have like five artists touching it over the course of its life. That kind of means that we're self-selecting to not be people with huge egos or people who are very, very precious with our art. So it just kind of lends itself to this nice community in the studios where we help each other, we teach each other, and we are not upset when somebody goes in and like redoes one of our boards. Not too upset. I don't know. <laughs> I love to control a scene from start to finish, but if someone else gets in there and makes it better, it's, it's better for all of us. It's better for the movie. I talk about age not really mattering. Um, 
you know, it, there, there's definitely this feeling. I absolutely felt this when I was trying to break in that like, oh my God, hundreds of 22 year olds just graduated from CalArts with the exact right de- degree and they know lots of people in the industry. I'm never going to break in. Oh my God, like it's over. My life's over. But um, I broke in when I was almost 28 and I am not the oldest person to break in. Uh, if you are the best person for the job, I don't think they care what your age is. So just keep going. Um, I talk about my friends moving around jobs a lot, especially in TV animation. Nobody told me how often they are searching for jobs and getting, you know, um, what's the word? Uh, <laughs> getting like uh, swooped up by other studios. So I, I like this. I, I can't put brands in here, but I had them jumping from Eameworks TV to Nickelodeon to Cartoon, Cartoon ne, our, our favorite animation studios. Um, yeah. Talk a bit about uh, the hardest thing from uh, transferring from comics to animation. And for me, that was the art style. So I used to draw my comics in pencil. Then I'd draw them again in a tighter pencil. Then I'd ink them. And then I would fix them up in Photoshop and make them very clean. Uh, In storyboarding, there's often not time for that. And it's not even the style anybody's going for. It's fine to be sketchy. You can leave the, you know, like the cross lines in the face, construction lines. It's totally fine. So it took me a long time to loosen up and just let go in that way. But I think this this comic, I'm really proud of this because this is so loose. And to me, that's actually good progress. <laughs> so to somebody else, this might look like a very fast style, very low uh, details. But I'm proud of that. I'm glad that I've been able to let go and draw faster, just get the idea across and move on. I like that about storyboarding. Everybody in, yeah, most of the people that I meet in animation are nice. Um, I talk about if there's, whether or not there's upward mobility for story artists, and there is. Uh, So I didn't know this before I got here, but a lot of story artists are able to move up later if they want to, to be heads of story or directors or pitch their own shows once they are in studios and they're meeting people, it, it becomes easier. So if you can get a foot in the door, even as like a PA, you just end up meeting people in all the different departments and you can ask those questions, kind of figure out what you need to get to the job that you want. Um, but story is a great job. And there's a lot of people I know who are not interested in becoming a head of story or director or pitching their own show. They love what they do. And it's a job where you get to pitch story ideas, you get to draw every day. So they don't want to change that. As you move up like head of story or director, a lot of the time you're actually drawing less. So I don't know if you love meetings, maybe that's okay. But also it's fine if you don't. Uh, it's it's whatever you want. There's no wrong answer. I talk about traffic. Of course, I have to talk about traffic in an LA book. Um, I'm becoming a very aggressive driver. It's a problem, but um, you just have to, to survive here. So I, I, I tailgate and I, yeah, I'm not proud of that. I'm going to have trouble if I ever have to move somewhere else. I talk about the scariest thing that happened when I was visiting Maddie, which was this guy ran across eight lanes of traffic on I-5 in the middle of the night. Uh, We were going to downtown and our driver just started going like, oh, shit. And we all were looking like, what? What's happening? And then we saw this guy jumps 
the the divide between uh, oncoming traffic and us and just start booking it for the other side of the highway. And he lived, he's fine, but he caused several crashes like right around us. And that was when I was visiting LA for the first time. So I was like, okay, this is what driving in LA is like. Okay, I will have to learn how to dodge people. And luckily that has not happened again since, but really, really shook me up. Um, yeah, I talk about where you can get nature time if you're like me and you need that. And, um, it can be hard, like the, definitely the Valley, but uh, a lot of parts of LA are kind of Brown, um, concrete, barbed wire fences, broken sidewalks. It's not what I'm used to. Uh, and it took a long time to appreciate LA. Like it, it is beautiful. It's just beautiful in a, a different way. Um, but if you're like me and you grew up somewhere kind of green or you just really, really want time in nature, uh, there are places that you can go. I like to go to Palisades Park or Griffith Park if I can't really take a, a big day trip out of the city. I'll also go to gardens like Descanso Gardens, Huntington Gardens, the Los Angeles Botanical Gardens. Very, very pretty. And there's nice hiking like um, up in the, what is it, the Angeles Forest, uh, like Switzer Falls. Um, also going up to Vasquez Rocks, which is deserty but beautiful. I love Joshua Tree, Yosemite National Park, and, and those are within driving distance if you want, you know, a nice weekend getaway. That can be nice. So uh, the last chapter is called Conclusion, and it's basically like, are you glad that you did this? And the answer is yes. Um, it's more financial stability than I've ever had in my life than I was even hoping for as an artist. Um, I get to learn from the people all around me who are really nice, really talented, know all kinds of things that I didn't. And I've found that I'm most happy when I'm learning. So whatever it is, as long as there are people around me that can teach me, like I feel like a, a little fish in a big pond. I like that a lot. My parents get to say that I have a real job now when they go to dinner parties. It's like, oh, yeah, she works for a company now. Um, and yeah, it, it was hard coming here, though. And I talk a bit about that. Like um, I went to therapy for the first time. I was super depressed about a year and a half in. Um, like I thought everything was fine. But about a year and a half in, it was just like, oh, I can't. Oh, I can't do this. And, um, yeah, like went and saw somebody that helped a lot. Um, talk to, talk to a lot of people who've been in LA for a while. And one piece of advice I got that I really liked was from, uh, Hope Larson. She said the first year sucks, but it's not representative of how your life will be here if you stay, which I thought was really nice. Um, and that's turned out to be true for me. The longer that I'm here, the more that I love it. Anywhere that's new, like, you don't know what's good yet, and it can take a long time to find your favorite sushi restaurant and the beach that's not super crowded and, you know, where you can buy clothes that you can afford. But once you do, it starts to feel more and more like home. So um, I end the book with nine panel grids about my favorite things to do in L.A. And I loved doing this. It was like a gratitude exercise. So I made a list of like 
what are the highlights from, uh, you know, the first year here when I, when I was writing the book, like the first year. So we've got seeing the sunset at Getty Center, going on a hike in Malibu and seeing a baby seal, discovering UCB and all of the amazing shows you can watch there, watching skaters at the Venice Skate Park, taking the train to San Diego, all this stuff, all this stuff for pages and pages. And then um, I end it with the Vasquez Rocks, the first time that I went there with my fiance, Boulay. Uh, we were trying to get out of the city and we had heard that Vasquez Rocks was a great place for seeing nature and, you know, rejuvenating yourself in that way. We get out there, we get out of the car, we walk through the welcome center and out into the park, kind of stop and look around. And I'm like, Gilles, it's, it's brown. It's just brown. <laughs> this is where people told me to go when I said that I needed nature. This is the best that LA has got. This is ugly. Um, and we decided to stick it out. We kept hiking. Jill's a much better sport than I am. And um, about an hour later, I noticed on the horizon that the mountains looked kind of blue by comparison to all of the brown with the atmospheric perspective. They were like, oh, maybe that that's a little bit blue. That's kind of nice. And then an hour later, I was like, oh, the plants here are green, then the mountains in the distance are purple, and the rock's kind of red. That's pretty. And by the end of the day, we ended up staying all day as the sun was setting. It just, the sky lit on fire, all the colors came out. It felt like it just took a while for our eyes to adjust to see how beautiful it was. And I feel like that's been my experience of LA so far. Okay, so I said that was the end, but here's the thing. When I showed this book to my editor, Shannon Waters, she had this great idea. She was like, what if you added a new chapter at the back and you interviewed other people? Because uh, I like this book, Tally, good job. But uh, the one thing is it's just your opinion and your experience. And I think you could add a lot of value by... Uh, fleshing that out with other people's experience. And she was 100% right. I love this chapter. I'm so happy with how it turned out. So we interviewed, I think, seven, eight people um, from my life. Most of them are old friends. So it starts with Angie Wang. And we used to be in a sketch group together up in Portland. It was Angie, Emmy Lennox, and me. And if you read Emmy Town or Between Gears, we all, you know, uh, make appearances in those. And uh, yeah, I'm so I'm so proud of her. She's a prop designer on Steven Universe now, and I'm such a fan of her work. It was really fun to sit down with her and talk about her take on L.A. The next interview is with Antoine Atori, who's a friend of mine from Disney. Antoine is French, and he talks about making the move much further than than I did, all the way from Paris to L.A. and moving his family out here, which was a big thing. Um, Antoine uh, is now back in France, and he's working on a comic series called Perseus, which just came out from Delcourt in January. So check that out. Uh, next is Dave Pimentel, also a friend from Disney. Uh, he's co-directing Darkmouth at Alcon Entertainment right right now. And uh, he's one of the more established people that I interviewed. It was really cool to talk to someone who was a story artist, uh, had been an animator, then a story artist, and is now, uh, he, he had been head of story, and now he's a director. So he really had a scope of experience that I appreciated getting into this book. Uh, next is Diana Ha. She's a friend from Portland. Love her. Um, and 
if you don't follow her on Twitter and you're interested in an art career, you really should because Diana does not pull punches. She says the most true things about standing up for yourself as an artist that no one else is saying. Um, and she is a board artist on Shira. Uh, so she talks a lot about um, coming to LA and being that that tiny artist that needs help to, um, you know, find your footing and survive in this new climate. And how those of us who've been here for a while, we have a responsibility to look out for for other people as well. It's not about just getting yourself through the door, right? It's like holding the door open for the people after you. Next is an interview with Drew Green, who's a story artist on Craig of the Creek. And Drew's an internet friend. I actually have still not met him, but we did this interview over um, email. And uh, it was really cool to get Drew's point of view because he's the only person I interviewed who didn't go to college. And he was talking about how everything that he needs to know he learned from high school. He networked on his own. He went to conventions and he got he got into the industry. And I think it's really awesome. Next interview is with Kelly Purdue, storyboard artist on Infinity Train. Kelly's a friend um, I met here in LA, super talented. And um, she talks about uh, kind of like being led on by her first job. And it can be kind of confusing. Like a lot of places hire you freelance just to test you out, but it can become borderline abusive if it's not like clear if it's going to turn into a job or not. So I'm not sure that that's exactly what the situation was here, but she talks a little bit about, you know, trying to like protect yourself and figure out what it is early um, and whether or not art school is worth it. Next up is an interview with Megan Nairn. She comes from Australia and she talks about moving uh, all the way over here to work for Jib Jab and Cartoon Network. And Megan is one of the founding members of Loop de Loop. She, she started it up in LA and it's still running today, which is so cool. So Megan's one of the people that I met when I made a short film for that. And she was one of the first people to give me story tests. It was awesome to catch up with her again after a few years. And the last interview is with Sam Spina, who's a story artist on Infinity Train. And Sam's awesome. He also comes from comics. He had a really interesting story of breaking in because <laughs> before Sam had storyboarded or anything in animation, he directed a short for Cartoon Network or Nickelodeon. Sorry. Uh, what, which one was it? I'm reading. I'm reading. Ah. Uh, <laughs> oh no. Nickelodeon. It's for Nickelodeon. It's called Hole. It's from 2012. It's amazing. Watch it. Um, so Sam, Sam had this kind of funny story about like he directed his own short before, you know, breaking in as a as a board artist. So he's he's seen a lot of different aspects of the uh, industry as well. And I loved that interview as well. And then I ask everybody to end on a positive. So they all give their favorite thing to do in LA if they have a free day. And I love their answers. There's some things in here that I need to try. And that's the end of the book. Thank you so much for listening to my comic book commentary on I Moved to Los Angeles to Work in Animation. I hope that was interesting for you. Um, if you would like to find this book, it is out in stores. It's on Comixology. You can find it on the Boom website. It should be in shops, uh, bookshops, comic shops. Support your local comic shop if you can. Uh, but if not, it is also on Amazon. Um, thank you again to my amazing editor, Shannon Waters, and thank you to Ben Blacker. Thanks for having me and uh, tune in next week for another comic book commentary.
Bye. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.